Uh, Jill, thanks for joining me. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Um, I was struck over the weekend um, that while everybody else seemed to be having a hissy fit about the EU's decision decisions, you were like, different governments, they're allowed to do things differently. It doesn't mean it's a drama. Is that essentially your view of this? Yeah, I think you can be, uh, you can take a very different view from the EU regulators. One of the things that is a potential big advantage of Brexit is that we can have regulators with a different sort of national philosophy. One of the things that people say about EU regulators is that they take this principle called the precautionary principle um, very seriously, and you might say that they take it rather too far. Uh, and in this case, they've decided, oh, there's a slightly weird pattern emerging we just stop all the vaccinations, which seems to have been their decision, rather than we'll investigate it. But actually, on a balance of risks assessment, it's so clearly beneficial for people to be having the vaccine that we're going to proceed carefully here. So, and you can look at that at some of the earlier decisions. You know, one of the things we know about AstraZeneca was that they didn't have that good evidence that they presented initially on the efficacy of the vaccine in over 65s. They brought over 65s into their trial a bit late, as I understand it. She said that's the big caveat in all this. Um, they didn't have that much data on it, partly because they actually didn't have very many cases in the control group of their over 65s and how you measure efficacy, open brackets, not a vaccine specialist, close brackets, <laughs> How you measure efficacy is, you know, do you have far fewer cases in the group that you vaccinate rather than the control group? And you have a real problem if you don't have any many infections in your control group. Mm. So our regulators decided, well, you know, on other vaccines, it looks as though the over 65s react in pretty much the same way as under 65. So we're prepared to extrapolate from that and say we think it'll be effective. Uh, whereas European regulators went from saying there is no evidence yet of, of proven efficacy, which actually at that stage you could probably say was right, to then getting mangled through a bit of politics, courtesy notably of President Macron and the German press, of saying it's proven ineffective, which was clearly absolutely and utterly wrong. Uh, so we've had this sort of, you know, very love-hate relationship with the AstraZeneca vaccine on the continent, which has led to this really weird position of demanding supplies, but then uh, not being able to use them or mm. being unwilling in some cases to use them, which look, just looks a bit weird over here. Yes, which says, yes. well, actually, if you're not going to use them, maybe we have them because uh, we're willing to use them by and large people here and uh, and we're obviously a bit concerned but, that you've seen a degree of contagion across the thing of one national regulator said mm, not sure and then others feel they have to follow suit but we are expecting the ema um to uh, approve it aren't they you know to, to look at whatever well, the, EMA's all, the ema's already approved it and has made clear ema cook who's the head of the ema has made made clear that she doesn't think that these suspensions oh. were the right move i think in the past and said that she thinks that you know that this isn't a cause for concern but they are now going to make this formal announcement i think after their investigation and the national regulator so we've got this sort of twin track regulator uh, it's one of the interesting things about how bound you are. You've got the EMA, which is pursuing what we would think is 
uh, a more science-based approach. The EMA approved the AstraZeneca vaccine a bit later than us, but they approved it for over 65s as well. And then we have these more cautious, you might say more political, more reacting to local pol political pressure, national regulators who've uh, suspended the vaccination. Some EU countries are still vaccinating with AstraZeneca. Others have said not at the moment. And if, is, this, is this about nerves on the part of the EU or is it just about, as you intimated at the beginning there, is it just about um, the MHRA here in this country, the regulations authority, just being a, a bit bolder typically or just bolder in this instance and perhaps not typically? I think the MHRA was more prepared to sort of take what you might call a sort of very educated, informed bet based on a sort of extrapolation. And the EU said, I mean, the EU, I don't think, had that much more data. They were just a bit slower off the mark. And actually, one of the interesting things about the European Medicines Agency is it's one of the agencies that used to be based in London mm. and lost quite a lot of its staff when it had to relocate because of Brexit over to um, Amsterdam. So that might have been a bit of a reason uh, why they were a bit slower off the mark in coming to much the same things. The US, of course, hasn't approved AstraZeneca at all mm. because the US uh, basically only likes uh, likes to approve uh, uh, treatments that have been tested in the US. And they've, uh, they've raised question marks over the AstraZeneca data. So that's just sitting there that's not even approved there so they're behind the european regulators which is also quite and, interesting and just to be clear given how fresh we are from brexit you know the, the individual eu nations can make individual decisions about this themselves can't they Yes, I mean this is an area where you know we've had a lot of things. Could we have gone? Uh, could we go have gone earlier if we'd still been an EU member? Actually, as June Rain, the head of the MHRA, made clear back in December when she gave those initial approvals first to Pfizer, then to AstraZeneca, the UK was actually using powers that it had because we were in the transition regime then as an EU member to make emergency authorizations. Uh, uh, which national regulators could always do. And as we've seen in the EU now, the EMA is saying one thing. Uh, national regulators have made a different decision. They're doing that. But what most of the national regulators now seem to be saying is that if the EMA comes out and says, yes, we think you should still proceed with the AstraZeneca vaccine, they will do that. The real question mark is these are countries already with much higher levels of vaccine hesitancy yep. than the yep. UK and the extent to which this is going to further impede their rollout efforts. And, and, um, it's, and it's revealed, hasn't it, this, that vaccination is, yes, of course, it's a medical thing, but it is a social thing. I was watching a, a Vox Pop taken in Belgium um, on telly last night and quite a number of people, plenty of young people included, saying, oh, I wouldn't dream of it, I wouldn't dare, I'm not taking that one. You know, and, and the rest of us, certainly me and my friends and family and people I speak to are, are just, they'll take it, they're keen for it, they want it, you know, and we're happy that we've got it and all the rest of it. And shows you that it is a social phenomenon as much as a medical phenomenon of, of yeah, and but, of, but of course, I mean, you know, the balance risk is quite different. If you're you know, in the age groups being vaccinated now, as might define them, so over 50s, you're at much higher risk of um, death from COVID. Yeah. Once you go down towards the, uh, you know, 20-year-olds, we're really saying to them, actually, you might end up suffering from long COVID. That's 
quite significant risk, your mortality risk is very significantly lower than it is because there's that very, very steep age gradient people point out to. So we're really asking them to do it for sort of, if you like, a bigger dollop of the public good and a bit yes. less personal good. Yeah. Though from the stories about long COVID, that's uh, that's not yeah. a great place to be and, either. And they're growing, aren't they, those stories about long COVID? And, and just to be clear, um, the EMA, that was my mistake, the EMA... Uh, isn't about to announce uh, it, 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 it favours the AstraZeneca. It's about to announce its findings about the blood clot fears. So it's already approved the AstraZeneca. It yeah. was saying, actually, it's, Imacook has been saying that they think that actually get the out benefits of vaccinating far outweigh the benefits of, uh, of suspension. But they've been investigating at the request of uh, national governments, national regulatory authorities, these sort of, uh, you know, uh, odd patterns, particularly identified in Germany. And they're going to announce the results of that. And what the national regulators are doing and the national politicians are saying is they're looking for that EMA verdict on these patterns and then will resume vaccination if that gives a green light. Thank you. Great to talk to you, Jill. Jill Rutter, Senior Research Fellow of UK in a Changing Europe.